Hello there, you're listening to Northern Stages Podcast. When we say podcast, we mean a conversation. A conversation we held on Monday the 3rd of August. This week, we talked to Laura Lindo. I'm aware maybe I say this too often, but this is a total corker. It's so thoughtful, so clearly articulated, and full of honesty and good vibes. It's a special one. Hope you enjoy. Afternoon, everyone. Uh, you're listening to Northern Stages Podcast. Um, this week, we're joined by Laura Lindo and the increasingly silent producer Johnny. Um, afternoon Laura Lindo, how are you? Good afternoon Mark Callis-Calvert, um, very well thank you very much. We'll get our middle name. Um, so thanks for taking the time to chat to producer Johnny and I. Um, so uh, how have you been? What have you been up to? I've been I've been well thank you, I've been riding the, riding the lockdown waves. Um, uh, haven't we all? Um, but uh, but no, I've been I've been all right. I've been all right. <laughs> How have you been? <laughs> um, yeah, same as you. Um, right in the lockdown wave, um, and uh, it's been up and down. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to sort of just jump in, and uh, I'm going to talk about you for an hour um, and your work. Um, so I'm going to start with a with a sort of uh, an easy one. Yeah. To sort of get us in the swing of it. Yeah. Um, so you're a director and a playwright. Yeah. If you have a preference, which do you prefer and why? Ooh, that's a very, very good question. Um, I don't have a preference. Um, I don't have a preference. It's, um, I mean, being, um, uh, you know, playing the role of playwright on one project can be completely different to playing the role of playwright on the next project, and similarly um, as director. So I, um, I'm very, very lucky with my projects, and I'm very, very lucky with the people that I work with. Um, so um, yeah, I, I, um, I enjoy the whole spectrum. Uh, of work. I should add, I'm also a clown doctor, uh, very important, uh, feeds into both of those roles, I would say. Um, uh, and uh, I love, um, I love the clown doctoring running concurrently, running alongside, I think, with the writing and the directing. Um, yeah, uh, so no. So did you start, where did you start then? Did you start as a writer? Did you start as an actor? Did you start as a director? Like, where did it begin for you? Um, I, I'm from Edinburgh and I started, um, I suppose I started, there's lots of different answers to that, isn't there? There always is, um, uh, to where you started. I, I attended, I started in theatre workshop in Stockbridge, um, in uh, Edinburgh, um, started there initially in youth theatre, but that's a very um, short story because I was, believe it or not, I was really shy um, and couldn't stand uh, being asked to speak in front of in front of people. So, um, so that was a kind of short-lived ca- career. Um, but then, when I was at school, um, I started um, helping out behind the scenes in the school plays, um, and absolutely loved that. So when I uh, left school and had absolutely no idea what to do, um, I thought that maybe. Uh, working backstage might be a thing that I might fancy Um, and I started working I worked in various um, cafes and bars because I had no idea how on earth you would get started doing something like that and lo and behold ended up behind the cafe serving um, incredibly virtuoso hot chocolates thank you very much to to, uh, people in theatre workshop Um, so when they were looking for people to help out backstage in a um, 
community performance, uh, then um, I jumped at the chance. So I started uh, working backstage on that, um, uh, sort of through that route. Um, but uh, when some of the actors were off, I jumped in um, to stand in for them. And the director kind of, she kind of took me on as a bit of a, a kind of, um, she, she was sort of an informal mentor. Um, and she then started to cast me um, in some of her plays. Um, and I went out in a couple of performances, um, TIE performances, theatre and education. And then um, she was the one who sort of said to me, if you, if you really want to do this, then you should, you should go and train, you should go somewhere. Um, and she, uh, I got hold of a couple of prospectuses and one of them was a prospectus for Northumbria University, which had a picture on the front of somebody in um, uh, Commedia dell'arte gear. Um, and when I read the prospectus, um, I got the feel of uh, a course that paved the way into a world where community theatre wasn't a kind of secondary concept um, and that uh, theatre that could be political, that could really involve people from grassroots all the way to um, to taking the taking the encore, you know, taking the bow on the stage, you know, or any kind of stage, you know, that, that there was there was sort of value and worth in that. So I so I chased my way down here, um, and and that was it. So then, where does the um, the uh, the playwriting uh, uh, factor into that uh, um, that journey? Um, that's something I'm sort of interested in as well as you know I know that you do so much stuff of course um yeah that was that was um so I I started I, I was lucky to get a job in live theatre when I left university and that the, a lot of the the ethos of live in terms of the politics and the inclusion really rang for me um so I started uh, working the participation department there and I worked my way into professional directing uh, from there um and I think it was about 10 years into my kind of career when, when I was freelancing as an independent director um when I was um, I was lucky enough to be commissioned through uh, um, through a strand of the empty space were running um, uh, a kind of initiative where they were supporting three artists um, to develop their practice and so I was lucky enough to be one of those artists and it was to create a piece of work um, now I thought to myself I will I would love to write this piece but I would never have at, at the time I was under the kind of um, the what would you say the misconception that that somebody else had to call you a writer, that it wasn't all right to call yourself a writer, that it was almost like putting tickets on yourself to think that you could have the um, audacity to think that you might have something to say. So I, um, I was directing that project and it was going to be a project that looked at something relating to clown doctoring because I'm really passionate about the work that I do with clown doctoring and um, about young people in the centre of um, health and ill health and what that is for young people from a child's perspective. Um, so I thought to myself, I've got exactly the writer to work with. He's a little known writer called David Gregg and he's bound to be available. <laughs> So I was slightly out of touch with what was going on up the road at the time. And now uh, David Gregg was uh, ruling the world, so um, was not available. 
And uh, so, funnily enough, when I was talking with Natalie Carroll about what I what I wanted, um, the the writer that I wanted to work with, she said you know too much about what you want. You, you need to just sit down and write this yourself. Um, and so a blooming well did. I had an incredible dramaturg and, and such a generous team of people, Chris Price and the lovely Scott. I had Scott Turnbull um, who were just absolutely up for playing and really seeing how this kind of piece of, or various pieces of, um, I'm sure it was dirge that I'd put on the page, how it could be lifted off. So we worked kind of physicalizing the script that I'd written and then I went back to the page and rewrote um, as I say I had an incredible dramaturg called Becky Smith and obviously with Natalie's encouragement as well and that went up to Edinburgh and that was Heartbreak Soup and it played and it and it and it um, and I, I sort of I dared I dared to call myself a writer from there and uh, yeah from then it's I suppose been a sort of adventure in the understanding that everyone is and can be a writer and that it's it's not a big lottery hand that comes down from above and says it could be you you know it's not uh, if you want to do it you can do it um, you, you, it's it's not a kind of presumption to think that you might have something to say we've all got something to say um, it sounds like a sound bite but I mean it you know, no, not at all. I mean, <clears throat> I couldn't write for Tuffy. I mean, you genuinely, could. no, no, I couldn't. Let's not get into it. I <laughs> um, but I totally hear you. I mean, I didn't know that was your first writing project, Harvick yes. Soup, and I saw it number and I absolutely loved it. I, oh. I remember crying for quite a long time afterwards. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm um, talking about childhood. Yeah, um, if there's a story from your childhood that explains who you are as a writer, yeah. then what would that story be? Hmm. It's such a it's such a good question. Um, I, my I think I I lived in my sister and I. Uh, you know I've got um, a brilliant brother as well, but particularly my sister, my big sister and I sort of lived in a a world where we kind of uh, invented worlds an awful lot. Um, obviously, growing up in Edinburgh, the the fringe came to visit the festival came to visit every year and I've got um I've got a page from a remember you used to write those diaries for school when you were little this is what I did today this is da 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 and um uh, uh, last year I was clearing out some stuff and found one of those um like little jotters and inside it was um uh my dad says that I could make a show for the festival when I grow up um, along those lines it was um, and and I think I think that's where we lived like everything we grew up above a shop in Stockbridge just around the corner from St Stephen's actually uh, um, where Northern Stage lived very nice it's very nice yeah. area of Edinburgh very, very nice well it wasn't as posh then it wasn't posh then um, but we lived above a shop and that was kind of um, a brilliant stage offer for the top of the bus so uh, as they kind of went past they would um you know, frequently see groups of kids, including me, cavorting on the top of the shops. Um, and the idea, I suppose, that um, a stage could be anywhere, I think, and that theatre was accessible. Theatre was an accessible art, art form. Art form always sounds like it's sort of other, but it was just it was just a way of um, adventuring, really. So we, um, 
that's that's what we did. That's what we did. So. So do you think having the fringe at your doorstep every month sort of impacted your ideas of what you could possibly do? Or is that reading too much into it? No, no, it's not. It's definitely not. Um, I, I, um, what I could possibly do, I think, I, I don't think I made the professional link um, apart from, I mean, when I was growing up, it was all about late and live, you know, the comedy scene. It was all about the comedy circuit and going, oh my God, you know, who can you spot and can you hang around here and and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, because the party scene that goes along with the festival is is fairly serious. So we were serious about that party scene. So I suppose I didn't really make the professional leap but I think what it did was allow your imagination to um and it maybe allowed um the the adult an adult world of the arts to feel accessible for young people I suppose you know it 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 never I think felt locked off because um because going to the theatre didn't mean getting dressed up and going sitting in a building. It could be going around the corner to the playground where somebody has set up a, um, a, a pretend lift and you were all shut in while somebody danced for 20 minutes. It happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so I, think it, it, I think it fed my Im- imagined world in that sense. Um, and... It's funny because as an adult and I suppose as somebody who sort of tries very hard to earn their living in theatre, I think the um, I think one of the things we all, um, one of the tasks, one of the challenges is continuing to access that imagined world, you know, even with mm-hmm. grown-up um, issues or um, uh Experience, grown-up experiences that you want to explore you know it's kind of staying tuned into that anything's possible and that your heart belongs on the page as as much as a clever turn of phrase you know so talking about that um your heart on the page how how would you describe your writing process then if it's about heart on the page and starting you know what 10 12 years ago as a writer like how's how was your process developed in across that period of time? It's become it's it's I'm I'm a bit more assertive about the fact that I know nothing um, at different stages. <laughs> <laughs> I I I I think process is fascinating. I can t- I could talk for for Scotland about um and listen for Scotland um when people talk about their processes and um, it was one of the really valuable things that I did. Um, I was really lucky to get some funding to, um, to develop my practice a few years ago. And uh, there was a budget, I kid you not, a wine budget set aside for, um, take, for, yeah, for, for hosting meetings with um, various writers who I loved and respected. David Gregg. A wine budget. Yeah. So I fed them wine in return for them, um, just talking about what they did and how they did it. And it was just brilliant because you can, um, I think a lot of the process, a lot of the journey in writing or sort of calling yourself a writer is, is not apologizing for your voice or not feeling, you know, trying to tune down the, the um, radio frequency that is, um, I hate myself, I've got nothing to say, you know, what are you doing? You don't, you don't know anything, you know, this kind of thing. And 
So one of the one of the people who who spoke a huge amount of sense for me was Simon Stevens, and I've got some dog-eared um, post-it notes that you might have seen, Mark Calvert, on the wall of my office, um, which outlines his stages of process, and it starts with number one, the formless hunch, and I love number one being the formless hunch because I think. Um, it's it's a beautiful thing and it deserves um a stage in its own right you know what is the formless hunch it's when you th- you feel like i don't know what it is but I th- there's something around this that's interesting i can't articulate it but there's 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 something there there's just something there um number 2 is leave it and work on other things which i love as well you know <laughs> um which mine would be watching real housewives you know that's a very important stage of my process but um no, I think asserting the time when you're kind of just um, spilling out treasures and just kind of going, I, I, you know, there's there's something I'm not n- not sure what, but there, but there is. Um, it's very easy to feel like everyone else knows the answer. Everyone is. I, I, I for, for years I thought that there was a formula. I was like, you know, because people would talk about going and doing courses in in creative writing or playwriting, and I was like. What do they teach? What do they know? What's the thing? You know, tell me, tell me. Um, and uh, I, I sort of, having sort of done a bit of digging around different ways of structuring or um, analysing or, um, I suppose, provoking your writing, I sort of now feel like, mm, I now feel like, there, there really, there, there isn't a magic formula. There's just tools that maybe work for you, um, and if you can sort of try different things and and find find treasure through that, then power to you. But um, but there's not a there's not a magic a magic answer, I suppose. Um, but that doesn't really answer the question, does it? No, it it's, it it sort of does because I think you know it's it's like <clears throat> I think everybody that makes something. Uh, or does something around the making process always think there's a better answer or somebody's got more information or if you cross that bridge there then then you're suddenly enlightened by somebody else and I think it's sort of you know about collecting isn't it collecting and what works for you yeah and it can be about too much choice because when you've got a blank page yes the possibilities are endless but the possibilities are endless and it can feel like oh, but if i commit to if i commit to this direction then does it close off other things i love the sense that everything will find its way that there's that formless hunch you will recognize when you have your finished piece you will recognize your passions and your um your kind of thoughts your ideas and your kind of what ifs you will recognize it in the final piece because it all finds its way you know and anything is a right answer sometimes you just have to make a decision sometimes you just have to call it because uh, if you in some ways if you if you if you locate a direction which can feel like closing down other options then other those those other options kind of spark in different ways along the uh, along the journey. Does that make sense? Oh, no, yeah, it does totally. You know, I think it's because yeah, it does make sense because I think sometimes you've got to, you go oh, <clears throat> it's got to be finished there, and actually just even committing to one part of it doesn't necessarily mean that the rest of it shut off. It just allows you to begin to walk towards it, and then exactly. you might go another way. Um, exactly. 
so I've got a question about so you've had your former hunch, you've gone on you've gone away and watched Desperate Housewives, no, um Real Housewives. Um so then you come to step three and um you're about to sit down and write uh something. Have have you done any re- any research? Is research not a thing? Oh it's a big Do you spend thing. hours researching or is it just sort of like a quick look at Wikipedia and away you go? No, I love I love a bit of research. I'm a complete geek. I'm a real, real geek. Um uh yeah, I, I love research. If you can if you can so for example, um the work that I uh, do with Kappa Pi, um, that quite often involves a, a healthy amount of research just because of the um, partners or the subject matter. So Woven Bones was a piece that um, that I wrote for them um, kind of in collaboration with the, um, the archaeology department in Durham University. I think I'm right in saying I probably got that wrong, but um, they were these team of brilliance who had um who had um what would you say uh, discovered and then analyzed the remains of the of the scottish soldiers um that were found under durham cathedral so the research there was twofold it was into the lives of the soldiers themselves um and what that would have been it was to do with the um the archaeologists themselves and what what doing that job involves emotionally and practically um, and what they discovered when they were um, analysing the remains and then how that in return impacted on the understanding of the lives of the Scottish soldiers. So that went round full circle. Um, uh, so that was a, a, a beautiful example of where I got my geek on. Um, or. Um, or uh, the work that I'm doing right now for Kappa Pi, um, which is, um, we're working on a piece called Credit, which is about universal credit, um, which is fascinating. And that has involved a huge amount of research, speaking with lots of different people who are directly affected, directly impacted, um, or, um, uh, yeah, um, by, by um, the absolute horrendous cruel shortcomings of that uh, system so that's i'm just looking down because i do uh, that's in collaboration with researchers from newcastle university gates of council and teesside university so it's kind of speaking with lots of lots of different people to um research and then trusting myself um which is step three do you want to hear about it yeah go for it active mulling nice okay <laughs> active mulling involves lots of tea um, yeah. and the old glass of wine um but yeah sort of shape-shifting that research and allowing yourself just to respond no so you know you get a cup of tea you've read all the research and then you i don't know take a walk around somewhere while it sort of filters through you mm. to understand where you're coming from is mm. that active mulling I think it's prob- for me, it's probably more on the page. The act of mulling is probably more sort of just um, sh- shifting through things. And um, and I will, I'll just start to start to write. It's trying to get some some words onto that page because really writing is rewriting. It really is. It's like you've got to have something there, however awful. And so giving yourself permission to be absolutely shit is uh is 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 very important reserve the right to be shit 
you know if you can I, I do think something really crucial about playwriting is not letting the audience into the room too soon if you start to think about what the audience is going to think what people are going to think then um then that's bad uh that can just kill off your your mojo i think there's I think something crucial to bear in mind is what do I want this piece to do? What do I, how do I want it to impact? But thinking about what will people think, you know, what will, what will they say? What will they think of me? What am I giving away about myself? Um, what are people expecting from me? How am I going to let them down this time? You know, all of that jazz. Um, it's just not useful. So, um, but that's probably in all aspects of theatre making, do you think? Yeah, no, I, th- I think well, I think it's probably more acute for a writer though. Yeah. Um, because essentially it is you, you're saying something to the world. Um, I think as a director or a maker, I utilise writers' words that I'm interested in, but what I haven't done is committed myself to <clears throat> write a 60-page script that says something about the world. Because I think, you know, going back to your previous point about um, what you wanted to do, when does what he wanted to do become part of the process? Is is it running along with um, um, the mulling phase of it? Is it the formless hunch? Is it? I think it's in the formless hunch. I think it's in when you're kind of you know equating yourself with with um, with sort of um, the possibilities of the piece. Then it just punches through. I think it's difficult to avoid a sense of where do where do I where where does this piece sit emotionally um or as a piece of provocation like where does it um it, it's sort of embedded i think i would say no no i'm with you. i'm totally with you um <clears throat> so the only thing i write are either um purple prose to funders or board reports um <clears throat> and one of the things i really hate is when i sort of sit down and look at a blank page on uh my imac which i've got I've had for 18 months now, still can't use it. Um, like, how do you, on a, on a writing day, and do you have writing days, or is it just like, sort of, I always have this impression that, you know, writers are um, <clears throat> taken by the muse and they're up till, you know, from 12 till 5 in the morning, you know, <clears throat> drinking absinthe and looking out of, you know, garret windows while they pen away. Oh my God. Um, is that not what it, happens? Absolutely. For me, it's not what happens. I mean, I do know people who float float around and I'm, I'm always in there um, in awe of them um, when there's a, there's a sense of their process being a little calmer than mine. Um, I thought it would be pashminas and chopping avocados, you know, listening to Radio 4 and looking out into the garden and dreaming of love. But um, it's more akin to sort of typing with my eyeballs sobbing gently um in kind of chocolate stained um sweaty clothes that i've been wearing for a week um sound appealing really romantic really romantic yeah no it's good <laughs> so, but, but how do you, how do you start then so you know on your sort of do you, is it is it like do you go today i'm going to write from nine till yeah. six yeah do you? yeah i really do and i have to I have to go a little bit doolally. I have to to get under the skin of a piece when I'm really writing, when I'm really, really now, you know, writing, then I have to, um, I have to sort of, it, it sounds ludicrous, but I have to, I have to go a little bit. Um, I have to really enter into the world of the piece and not, and not answer the phone and not do other things, not, not um, do anything else. So, you know, I'll, I'll, 
I'm sort of from from me one of the things that works is going away for a, for a few days and really just being a bit serious and um, sort of sleeping you know uh, sleeping a little bit and writing a lot I, I don't know what I would do without so when, the... when you're talking about really writing is there sort of, is there different is there sort of there's like a a light writing and then a sort of medium heavy writing and then it's really writing is like what does really writing look compared to early writing I can't describe it's it just anyway. it's just a, it just is it, it's just when when you you have to you have to when shit gets real when you have to kind of um knuckle down I did um uh um uh, an exercise with there was a, a young writers group at live theater and I did an exercise which was about voices of influence where you had to kind of think about something that was that is um really sort of um i suppose um it's playing an active role in your life right now it might be your laundry basket or it might be i don't know what it might be the the bus that goes past your house that normally takes you out that you can't bear to leave the house to catch or it well, might the be silent producer johnny all right. Yeah, silent producer, and and but except it can't be a person. That's the only thing. Ah. It can't be a person, and it can't be a pet. So that's Johnny out, and you know, first for starters. So no pets either, Mark, for you. So um, and you have to. You basically you have to um either write it a letter, or it needs to write you a letter, um, sort of asking you for something. And as these young writers were um, penning their brilliance, um on on the page i was like well i should i should do this as well and i started writing a letter from from the piece that i was working on at the time to to me um and it was basically just a letter of you you know you know what you need to do and will you kind of will you sit down and do it and i think it was it was a, it felt like a really um for me it was really useful um dialogue to get into like going what is the transaction really i'm going a very long way around saying that i procrastinate terribly <laughs> and uh, really writing is just about kind of really really just sitting down and doing it just cut the crap and just do it just do it it seems to be quite a lonely thing to do it's 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 very Whereas, like, like the rest of it you know um i've, I've been in theater and i've made theater well mm -hmm. i've made things Call it theater. I don't know. Um, stop laughing, Rock producer Johnny. Um, <laughs> um, but I think that is, uh, but it feels more like team based um, mm. than writing. And uh, writing, I always sort of think it feels quite lonely. And is that the most difficult thing about the writing process? Yeah, it it can be. It really can be. It can be. It can be quite hard. But then, you know, the lovely Chloe Dakin. I do. Because she writes, um, she has written for theatre, but she predominantly writes prose. And she talks about the difference between writing for writing prose and writing plays as being that there's a privacy and an intimacy between the page and the reader. Um, now, with theatre, I feel like, I think she's right. Uh, but it's one of the things that I absolutely love about writing for theatre because it's a yeah it can be a lonely road and I say can be because actually there's there's different um, different ways of working together and I'm really interested in the writer in the room and how that works which strikes me as 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 a very different process but um, uh, I love 
when you have been walking that lonesome road um, on the page or in the page, um, but then when you bring it into a rehearsal room or you bring it to the director or you bring it to the team, the brilliant, brilliant team, Johnny, um, and, and everybody's in it with you. And it's it's kind of like, it's it's a relief and you can let it go and you, you can hear people responding to your crap jokes and your... But is that not like reading out your homework on a yes. Monday morning to your history teacher? Yeah, it's terrifying, but it's, but it's, but it's also, you, you, you have to, you have to just step into it. it. It's part of it. And people are kind and people want to, everyone's there because they want to make work and they want to make it work. So what you've got on the page isn't where it ends. That's where it starts, really. That's the offer. So that can be, that's the gesture from the heart um, for the story, but how that then plays, that's, that's the team. That's where everybody jumps in, don't they? You know, and it's, and that's just a beautiful thing. You know, the words have to earn their place because otherwise they'll just be drifty and sit there looking nice, um, not doing anything, you know? So is that the best thing about writing? The the moment where it sort of finds its ears and its legs through it being in a rehearsal room? Or is it about seeing it made? Or like, what what is the best thing about the process of writer? I all think those things? It, it's all of those things. And it's the moment when, the moment where you hear that rumble, the magic rumble of an audience laughing. That's just that you can't get over that that's just beautiful and um and f feeling the shared the shared space you know when people are feeling what you're feeling you know it's like a room full of people going i get that i get that and and i know that i find um i i kind of i i find a lot of comfort hope inspiration um uh company in the words of other people i sort of it helps me to make sense of the world the words of other people so with lockdown i've really sort of fled into the into the writings of other people poetry has been a big thing for me and just listening to people who are my virtual pals they're not my actual pals but you know um adam buxton's my pal he's my busy what do you mean you know because I don't know, other people's words, other people's kind of journeys. It can be, if your own road feels a little bit hard, um, I don't know. Yeah, words of other people. So feeling like you're part of that exchange, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So <clears throat> this sort of quite brilliantly leads me to my next question. Huh. So um, if you could have written any play in history, <gasps> what would it be? Oh, oh. There is, uh, well, I mean, whew, there's a there's a lot there's a lot, um, but I would go back to. Oh no, maybe I don't know. I I, I love Lee Hall's work and Spoonface Steinberg. I really love. Um, so maybe Spoonface Steinberg. Um, or there was a brilliant Peter Strawn play called When We Were Queens, uh, which we were lucky to stage at live um, when I worked there. Um, 
and it was all about the male actors, the boys who played the parts of the queens um, and their, their, their stories, kind of, kind of um, where they were living um, and what was going on for them and what their aspirations were. And we cross, we cross cast it in terms of gender. And it really, it was a really, it is a really incredible piece that, um, really asks a lot of questions about your own expectations around gender and aspirations around romance and gender. And I suppose as a, um, as a proudly queer writer, I kind of, I went, there's, there's romance on stage there and a romance that is um, reflective, but forward moving and funny and rude and silly and, and just really, oh, just uh, satisfying. We, we, we dropped a load of rose petals at the end on, on the audience, on the, flooded the stage with them. And um, I'm, sure there, I'm sure there weren't as many rose petals as I remember. I remember it. <laughs> Cascade from the skies. <laughs> but, um, but yes, I, I, but then, you know, I don't wish I'd written it. I just fangirl Peter Strawn, but then I fangirl so many writers, you know. Talking about cascades of petals from the roof, does that sort of, um, is that the kind of thing that excites you, that visual element alongside robust, exciting words? Like what, who, what is the theatre, what are the companies that really excite you as a viewer, writer, uh, performer? Well, whatever. I, um, I mean, I, what theatre excites me? I, d I don't know what the what the recipe is. I don't know what the recipe is, but there is obviously same as everyone. It's like things that just I just dig, and there's things that I just that just don't don't speak to me, and I don't know sort of how to really differentiate. I I have to say I do love because um, one of the pieces that I directed was Key Change, written by the brilliant Katrina McHugh. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things I really, really loved with working with that piece was that whilst there were only four characters, well, five, including the stage manager on, on stage in prison greys and some rolls of masking tape, it's like actually you couldn't get a better set than their physicality, you know? You couldn't get a better and stronger um, imagery than, than what they created. I, I suppose I do love work that invests in the people who are embodying the piece, you know, the journey through the piece. I, I, um, I love bold visuals, but that is so far from production values you know, from same production values, I, I, you know, I, it couldn't be further from that. I, the bold visuals of uh, one person on stage, if they're truly, um, if you're really sort of investing in the story that they're telling and their presence and their dialogue with the audience, then they, they'll fill the place, you know. So I love visual theatre, but um, yeah. Uh, uh, and going back to uh, you made a comment about writers and there's so many writers you would you admire or like who are those um, like if you give your sort of like um, uh, hit parade of writers from uh, 10 to 1 no we won't give it sort of numbers but you know like <clears throat> who are the writers that you read uh, find inspiration from you know quietly sort of tuck underneath your pillow of a night time to sort of you know have their words feed subconsciously into your brain like <clears throat> Who are they? I love, I love Julia Darling, OBS. Um, she, in in life and in her work, um, was just, meant a huge amount um, 
to me. Uh, I love Peter Strawn. I love David Gregg. Really love David Gregg. Um, I love Tom Wells. I love Stacey Gregg came to do a session um, as part of, I was lucky to be part of the Royal Court Writers Group uh, North. Um, and she came to do a session. And in that session, I went, God, this is a, a, a female playwright leading this session. And I suddenly went, oh my gosh, this is uh, how rarely this happens. I, I'm, uh, I love uh, taking part in writer's sessions, but um, I, think, I think we've got a way to go with really celebrating. And um, I don't know, I, I think it, it can be a very male dominated field or it can feel it can actually feel very male dominated maybe that's a safer thing to say so i i'm kind of uh yeah that was an interesting point and her work i'm massive fangirl of stacy gregg and um, rona munro i love chris good i love chris good i went to see wound man and shirley and i do i have that beside my bed wound man and shirley by by chris good and we were in this tiny um theater at the pleasance and the rain was it was really raining down and um sort of smacking off the roof and there was that feeling of you know when you're in a tent and you all sit a little bit closer and it felt like that and it's a one-man show about a boy called shirley and um it's a coming of age piece really but um and he said an interesting thing to me, actually, when um, I was lucky enough to be making making some work with him as the most excellent mentor. And he said, it's an interesting question is thinking about whether you want your piece to be a snow globe or a call to arms. And I've thought so long and hard about that because I'm sort of like both, both. Can it not be both? Um, and I still think it can be. I still, I'm still trying to slide that under the radar. I don't know. Don't know. Can it be both? I know what he means. Try not to be too cute or too pretty. You know, you sort of, you, you want, you want the work to be in the world for a reason. You want it to be kind of earning its place in the world. If you're, if you're lucky enough to be putting work out there, certainly if you're lucky enough to be paid to put work out there, then you certainly want it to be doing something. But, I don't know if you can maybe plan that. I would go back to the impact on the audience. How do you want to involve the audience? What what do you want it to do emotionally and uh, I suppose in terms of thought processes, if you like. Not a word. Good for a podcast. <laughs> make up, make up, Linda. Um, so from that list of, of writers you've just given, is there is there a thing that unifies them? Or is there are they also so different that that's where you find your relationship with them or is there something that they that draw you to them i think there is something that draws them together actually and i think it's the it's the same thing that pulls my the work that i do i work to make work for different ages um age ranges um and i'm really comfortable with that i'm really really comfortable and i think that these writers i would like to think that there's a a bounce and a humor and a, a an accessibility to the work that um a, a simplicity a carefully crafted um simplicity that i think gives gives them a bounce that i sort of find very energizing from my own bounce my bounce needs inspiration and they have bounce all of these 
I mean, there's more. There's there's many, many, many more. And of course, all the brilliant um, uh, emerging writers who are coming through. I love all the writers in this region as well. I should say, you know, the we're um, I'm part of creating um, or helping to mobilise, if you like, the um, Playwrights Northeast, which is um, a, a, an invitation to bring together uh, the playwrights of the region to come together to, um, because sometimes your paths will cross because you're both going for, um, I don't know, an opportunity or you're um, you're there to, I don't know, talk about different things. It, it, it strikes me as disappointing to think that we might, playwrights might just come together by accident or um, by virtue of being slightly in competition with one another. So uh, when did this start? Just, uh, well, um, Jez Casey and Zoe Cooper, magnificent Zoe Cooper, um, they they sort of muted the idea before lockdown. And I had had various thinkings as well. I'm sure, I bet, I bet we all had had thoughts and thinkings. I'd uh, been up in Edinburgh um, and been to an event run by Playwright Studio Scotland. This was way back during the festival. Um, and they were talking about the world today and they were talking about playwrights and they were talking to the playwrights who were in attendance and they were saying, you know, uh, your you, stories matter. And telling stories in this way, the way that we tell them uh, matters. And I was really struck by the fact that we don't have that down here in the northeast we have this really incredible we have incredible um uh, opportunities but uh but actually the the area you know the the place that i moved to all those years ago with this prospectus that said you know come to this place which is um about community and politics as well as brilliant theater that's theater that sits within the dialogue of the place i suppose the incredible um the incredible um, richness of the creative uh, community, I suppose, that I that, that you really felt when you came to this region. Um, it, it has um, it. It's it's not a sudden what? thing, but cut by cut. Um, I, I feel like, um, and this is just from my. Uh, perspective. Oh, it man. feels as though work has retreated into pockets and bubbles, and uh, and and maybe inside buildings as well. Maybe that's part of what we're noticing with this kind of cruel spotlight of uh, coronavirus. Um, apart from the inequalities of um, of the world, which is um, exposed, I think um, in um, really. Uh, awful um, and vivid uh, technicolor. Um, I think also mm. there's a sense of where is the work? How do we, how do we, um, how do we link with one another to make the work? How do we speak with one another to assert the work and the place of the work? Um, and a sense of um, theater and the world of playwriting um, uh, as being a sort of um, an essential way that we can make sense of the now and of the future but in the state that it's in right now of, of course it's stopped 
when organisations have stopped. Of course, there are only certain opportunities because things have been stripped back and the avenues have kind of been closed down and things. So I think, um, so Playwrights Northeast, I mean, actually it's, it's, it's about, it's not affiliated obviously to an organisation or um, it, it is really um, people coming together and saying, can we, can we network? Can we be together? Can we um, speak to one another? And what might we need to do what we do? Um, it's not about a club. Um, brilliant, Lindsay Rodden said, um, uh, somebody had said to her in the past, writers are unclubbable. And I love that because I think it's true. I think there's not a, there's not a kind of, uh, let, let's be a gang. It's not about that, but it is going, um, there's a place. If somebody goes, I want to, I'm, I want to be a playwright, or I think I, I, I am a playwright. That's something that I do, or maybe it's, that's the main thing that I do, or that's a bit of what I do, that there's um, a network where we can all come together to share information or um, to, I suppose, Yes, uh, speak amongst ourselves. Uh, the next session that we have, because we had the, fir the first session um, where we came together, we had incredible speakers. Uh, we had Jojo Kirtley, we had Fiona Sturgeon Shea from Playwright Studio Scotland, uh, and we had one boy, Hardcastle, I believe, from the Young Company. Um, she uh, was absolutely epic, absolutely wonderful. They all were, they all were. And uh, and people came together and listened to them talk and 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 we posed the question what could this be um because it should be a lively network that breaks down into little groups comes back together in one big group hopefully we'll be able to meet in in pubs as well as maybe come together for more organized um sessions so we're lucky enough the next session we're going to have Stuart Pringle from the National Theatre, um, Rosie Kelliger from uh, Scottish National Theatre and um, Jane Fallowfield I think from Royal Court um, talking about the dark art of literary literary management and what that is and um, and and just to talk about what they do um, something that during lockdowns but I, I, I've found really important is just voices of inspiration or of perspective um, and I think we're we're trying to find ways that we can source um, voices to speak to playwrights um, you know when I'm talking about the role of playwriting in the region I don't mean let's be precious around this group of people it just means placing placing theatre in amongst how we live you know yeah, you know, it's an unclubable club. You know, I, you know, I think that, yeah, <clears throat> moving forward, you know, hopefully it is more about that space to uh, commune and speak and work and partner and get rid of old systems that didn't serve anybody very well. And so absolutely get you. I like it being, I, I like thinking about it as, um, well, a couple of things. One thing is that Alistair Gray quote that says, um, work as if you're in the early days of a better nation and i like the sense of that going actually we can we can carve this 
ourselves, you know, this is if this is a, a way to start, not start again, but kind of go, what's mm -hmm. what do we want to salvage and how do we make it work for us, um, for everybody? Um, but I also think of it like um, Cinderella's ugly sisters kind of um, cutting off their heel to or their toes to fit into the old shoe. It's like, actually, we need a new shoe. <laughs> we need... Um, we need we need new models, I think. And one of the things that arose actually in that that first session with with um, the, some of the playwrights who could make it um, was that sense of the polish of theatre and uh, the polish on writing and the sense that actually if we're if we're placing work purely at the end of a of a process and saying this is it this is it finished and polished and this is what we want to say and um, if we take away the kind of bruising elbows and the um, create and scratch um, work that might have a gesture of something but we're not sure what um, inviting an audience in like a play a pint in a, a play a pie in a pint or theatre for breakfast which I love um, at the Traverse in Edinburgh I love sneaking in with a bacon sandwich and a coffee to see people script in hand kind of um, staging something but with something that is 15 minutes long going there is a notion here there is a formless hunch in here sometimes the hunch speaks more um, articulately than the most polished piece of work, you know? So I think it's kind of getting that rough and tumble around work, that currency. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Sounds great. Um, um, wish I was a playwright. Um, I, I think I think producer Johnny might be a playwright, but maybe yeah. we could... Um, Johnny! We could sort of, yeah. I bet you're brilliant. I bet you're brilliant. I bet you are. I bet you are. Yeah. I think that's, that's it. There's so many brilliant people, and I think people... It's like we, we all should feel should feel able to step into it, not like it's a hallowed turf, you know? I mean, I think you've sort of touched on, on this question, but what do you want to see coming out for the Northeast after this moment in our lives? I want hope. I want to see hope. I want to see... Um, it's, very, it's very difficult because as a region... As a region, the Northeast has been battered and bruised. I mean, the piece that I'm doing called Credit, on Universal Credit, you know, it's 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 uh, it's very interesting that now there are masses and masses of people signing on to Universal Credit, going, "Oh my gosh, did anyone know that this is not enough to live on?" Yes, actually, yes, there are quite a few people who could have told you that and have been trying to. Um, I think I think we have the the northeast has has been sorely hard uh, sorely punished actually not even just hard done by but punished and I think it's very hard to find hope within that but um but I do think some of the political uh, movement that's happening in Scotland can be exciting for the northeast because I don't think it's a divide so much as a um challenge to Westminster to um, to remember that there is a world outside the the south. Um, I, I yeah, I would like to see hope and I um, and a harnessing of that brilliant spirit um, and tenacity, um, not the kind of mythical tenacity of of the northeast and that kind of um, uh, I suppose the, the the very romanticized kind of sense that people up here will make do and mend, you know, but, 
but the actually kind of um, hard won um, spirit and and creative, um, I suppose creativity. Yeah, that this is this is a creative place, and 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 the northeast needs to take its space. Um, but to do that, we do, we do need to, I think, take responsibility for trying to find those initiatives, to find those ways to sort of formalise formalize kind of ways that we can make it work. So theatre theater in the region isn't just going to magically kind of reform. We, we, we need to be riding those waves, not necessarily together, but certainly in, in communication with one another so that we can be aware of of the difference in current <laughs> for different for different people, and then we can support one another. Um, I, I realise that my one of my key kind of um, ways of hearing voices is Twitter, and that's probably not very useful because it can feel a bit us and them in a lot of different places with Twitter. Um, so I'm looking for ways to tune into uh, the voices in this in the region. I don't quite know where to find. Where to find everybody? Where's everyone hanging out? <laughs> I don't know. Where is everyone? Um, everyone's just coping, aren't they? Putting one foot in front of another. Um, but I think if we can, if we can dream big. One of the things the Playwright Studio Scotland said, Fiona Sterling Shea, she was absolutely brilliant. And one of the things she said, she was talking about. Um, she was talking about when they wrote the blueprint 16 years ago for what Playwright Studio Scotland could be. And she was saying that one of the things was uh, Scotland is a, is, a, is a hub for playwrights. And the other thing was playwrights can change the world. And I think this region, I think in this region, we, we can dare to, dare to dream because we can, if we can then look to what we need to make those dreams reality. So what do we need in order to rebuild um, and reform not not the old um, region with the the arts world the way it was with all of the wonderful things as well as all of the all of the challenges but what do we want it to be and how do we how do we make it so you know how do we all make it so yeah I don't know sort of you know on that Star Trek, Star Trek moment I don't want to um, ask my final two questions but I'm going to anyway um, <clears throat> that was amazing uh, all right so <clears throat> last two questions. Um, if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Oh, um, uh, yeah, it would be going back to dope. There's not a secret formula, and that passion carries people. People recognize with them puppetry when you're working with puppets. Um, one of the things when you're making work is to listen to the sound of the audience because an audience recognizes life. So you'll hear people laugh or go, oh, you'll hear people recognizing life if you're if you're actually um, if you're using the puppet in a way that where it's living, you'll hear it. You know, so it's not about seeing it. it's not about move to the left, move to the right. A little bit of it is, but it's it's much more about tuning into how the puppet is living and and how the audience is reading it. And I suppose that thing of a, a, an audience, an audience is, will recognize life within what you're doing so don't be afraid to put it put it within the work um and sometimes your own your own way is as fancy as you need to be you know it's all right just write what you love write what you love laura lindo um and, and 
another another because I do um Simon, I do quote people all over the place because I really he said something about um you know keep your masters in your pocket as in keep your inspirations close at hand who said this David uh Simon Stevens said this one so I've got a David Gregg piece of advice that I pocketed along the way which was um because we were talking about a piece of work that I was working on. I think it was War of the Worlds, you know. I think it was War of the Worlds for an Northern stage. I think it was. And I said, oh, I'm just nervous because I think I'm I'm nervous that I'll just do it the way that I, that I do it, you know. Like, And he was like, what do you mean? And I said, it's just going to be words. It's going to be words, 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 words. And that's just... And he was like, who's to say that, that Laura Lindo's way of writing this piece isn't going to be the way that actually people suddenly respond to that people suddenly want who's to say apart from you that it's wrong you know because I'd heard quite a lot of people sort of saying there was quite a thing at the time of people going you know words are um don't know sort of exclusive in some way or don't um function in the way that we want theatre to to function they don't lend themselves anyway I, I sat down with a bit of bravery and thought I'm going to do I'm going to paint the pictures the way I want to, the way the way I see it, um, uh, and I did, and and the audience laughed and recognised life. I think, you know, they didn't walk out, um, and uh, that's good enough for me. <laughs> so, sort of my last little decompression question: yeah. um, What have you been? reading, listening to, watching Beyond um, 90 Day Fiancé and The Real <laughs> Housewives? I've been, what have I been reading? Yeah, I've been, I, I I sort of went a bit numb for a while there, I think, a mixture of numb and I was working with an online offer for clown doctoring and I couldn't put on a red nose without crying. There's something about, so um, I have been watching, there's a, um, it's very simple, very little. On Twitter, there's a, a, a thread called Sea uh, Sky Craster or Sea Window Craster, where every morning somebody posts their view of the sea and the sky. They live in Craster, and it's like three in the morning, at five in the morning, and I've been, I've that's lifted my day. Um, the grey of of that, bit bit romantic, bit, um, and. Um, yeah, poetry. I haven't been reading. I haven't been reading. I have been watching. Um, the, one of the things that's really floated my boat is um, the collaboration between Sally Cookson and Adam Peck. And I've really been looking at different ways of working and kind of going, I would like a piece of that. So, um, you know, for example, that's the way that we are working together with this magical Christmas fur, isn't it? With kitchen zoo. Am I allowed to say it? Is. Oh yeah, of course you are. Um, is writer in the room, which feels like a, a great big bouncy offer to to go. Let's make magic all together. Um, uh, so that's been that's been really floating my boat. Watching watching some of the work online has really floated my boat. And um, and what else? Poetry. Um, Caroline Bird, Caroline Bird's poetry. Uh, yeah. Poetry, I don't know, beautifully sort of concise little tasters of words that don't ask anything of you um, other than just that you l let them sit 
with you and make some make their own meaning that's been a beautiful thing my sister bought me a set of posca pens which are like painting pens and i've been coloring in every page when i've been having zoom meetings and that's been kind of a, a nice antidote to the the present world has been um sea sky craster and my posca pens and a slice of caroline bird every now and again <coughs> some really high quality recommendations there <laughs> um genuinely i've got i think four or five uh caroline bird um have you portly books yeah have you and know. you know cy cookson is you know oh yeah when i grow up yes um <clears throat> Laura Lindor, thank you so much for an absolutely sparkling like hour. Um, properly, genuinely amazing. And uh, thank you so much and goodbye. Oh, goodbye, goodbye. Thank you so much. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. Thank you, Mark Callis Calvert. Our thanks to Laura for taking the time to be so brilliant for an hour. I mean, she's obviously brilliant more than an hour, but you know what I mean. How do people do it? We'd also like to thank all of the artists, collaborators and creators mentioned in this podcast. Thank you to producer Johnny, aka Johnny Rothwell, for editing the podcast, to Mark Muggle for soundtracking and for Chris Clare Scott for doing all the work to get it out to you. Finally, thank you for taking the time to listen. We really appreciate it. Please do take a look at the show notes with links to all the resources and websites that we talked about. And also, if you want to subscribe or leave us some thoughts, you know what to do. Thanks again. Thanks again.